we're excited about that. Uh, but what's up, Trace? You know, I hope you guys are doing uh, doing well today. Hopefully, you guys had an awesome summer like we did. Uh, hopefully, you're starting to get back to your normal routines and things as school is starting back up. Uh, but first, just want to say welcome to any of you guys who are here for the very first time attending in person, whether you just moved here, maybe you're just looking for a new church home, maybe you're looking for a place uh, for your kids and students to develop some good relationships, to have some fun and meet Jesus in the process. Uh, whatever the case, we are beyond grateful, beyond honored uh, to have you guys as guests with us this morning. And so if you guys need anything, please do not hesitate uh, to ask us. You can uh, find the Next Steps booth right out there, or like uh, Daisha said, there's a QR code right in front of you that's going to have a bunch of information on there if you're looking to get more involved here. Um, but also just want to take a moment and say welcome to all of you that are joining us online, uh, whether you're watching us live or some other time during the week. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, but my name is Josiah and I have the opportunity to be the student pastor here at Trace. And as you just saw on that video, we had an incredible, incredible summer here at Trace. Uh, that because of you all, we were able to raise $14,000 to help offset the cost. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, to offset the cost of camp for some of our kids and students. Because of that, we got to bring over 165 kids and students to experience life change at a camp. 30 of them were brand new, never experienced Trace. Uh, some of them not even followers of Jesus. And because of your guys' generosity, we were able to allow them to um, experience life change at a camp experience this summer. And that's worth celebrating. So can we just take a moment one more time, celebrate that, yeah. We are pumped for what God is doing in our next-gen ministries here at Trace. And speaking of that, uh, next week we are having our student kickoff here at, at Trace. We've taken uh, kind of a break over the summer with our middle school and high school students. But next week, I'm pumped because we're kicking this thing off and we're doing it right. Uh, you know, our middle school students, we're meeting at the 930 service right now. Uh, next Sunday, there's going to be an inflatable obstacle course. There's going to be free Kona Ice adults. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know if you're going to be allowed to go through the obstacle course. We'll see if we have time uh, for you guys, but I'm pumped for that. And then our high school ministry is Friday night, and we're getting a mechanical bull. We've got uh, Buffalo Wild Wings coming in. It's going to be awesome. And so if you have a student, if you are a student, if you know a student, uh, we want them to be connected to what God is doing here in our student ministry here at Trace. And so please, please, please come find me after this service. Love to talk to you about that. But today we are starting a brand new series. We're kicking off a brand new series called The the long game. And the reason we're doing this series is pretty simple, that we as people, we tend to make short-term uh, based decisions. That a lot of us, we lose sight of long-term consequences, we lose sight of long-term goals, and we settle for short-term rewards. Like for example, maybe you woke up this morning and you hit the snooze button because like outside the cover's bad, inside the cover's good, and you stayed in bed a little longer and then maybe you were a little bit later than you wish you were. Or maybe, you know, you had a bad day this week and you went out to eat and you spent some money that you didn't need to and you went home and you realized you had perfectly good food at home and that meal, it cost you a little bit extra. Or maybe you're like me and you go into a store to get something and instead you come out with like 12 somethings, right? Like anybody ever gone to the store to get some milk and you come out with like an air mattress, uh, a tub of ice cream, yes, and like a birthday present for a friend whose birthday isn't for like another four months, but you forgot the milk, right? Like do I have any impulse buyers out there? Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's Target's business plan. Uh, but whatever the case, we all have a tendency to do this. 
We all have a tendency to make short-term based decisions. But as a church, we know that what we do now either has the potential to help or hurt us later. And we wanna be the kind of church that focuses on the long-term. We wanna be the kind of church that is here for the long run, that we wanna be the kind of church that is proactive, not just reactive, that we wanna focus on a few things now that won't pay off until later. And we ask that question as a leadership team here all the time, what can we focus on now that'll help us in the long haul? But we don't just want that to be true of us as leaders. We want that to be true of everyone, everybody that comes to Trace, everybody that calls Trace home, that we want to play the long game as a church. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about some of those areas, some of those areas that we need to invest in now as a church in order that they may pay off later. And that's why I'm so excited today, because I'm going to talk about a topic that I am extremely passionate about, and I hope it bleeds through this morning, because today I'm going to talk to you about the next generation that I really believe this, guys, with every fiber of my being, that the most important, perhaps the most impactful thing that we can do as a church to set up the church for the long run is to invest everything that we possibly can into the kids and students in our community. That we have to take a moment and our willingness or unwillingness to invest in the next generation will determine the influence and the outcome as a church that we have to take a moment to take the focus off ourselves as adults and start focusing on who is coming next. And so that's what I wanna talk to you about this morning. I wanna talk to you about why that's important, why we should invest in the next generation, but I also wanna help give you some tools, equip you with some things that can help you do this better, whatever context you find yourselves in. And so uh, we're gonna go ahead and do that this morning, starting with why should we invest in the next generation? You see, preparing for this sermon was actually a little difficult for me because if you were to read the Bible from cover to cover, you're not gonna find a whole lot of scripture. You're not gonna find a whole lot of verses telling you about the importance of investing in the next generation. And one of the reasons I think that's true, uh, there's several reasons, but the, the biggest reason I think that's true is because to some degree or another, like it didn't need to be said that this was somewhat of an unwritten expectation for the Israelites in the Old Testament and the Jews in the New Testament. And to a large degree, they were already doing this, that they knew the importance of passing down your faith from one generation to the next. And that's why they wrote things like they did in Psalm 78, which says this, I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors passed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. That the previous generation did it, so in turn, the following generations, they did this as well. And while these verses, they were written down some thousands of years ago, this experience of, of passing down our faith to the next generation or receiving our faith from an older generation, this is still something we experience to this day. That for a large majority of us in this room, a large majority of us watching online today uh, that have chosen to follow Jesus, like our faith, it didn't fall out of the sky. That somewhere along the way, someone explained it to us. Someone invited us. Someone shared their experiences with us. Someone sat us down and walked us through what it looked like to follow Jesus. And because of those conversations, because of those experiences, many of us we decided to say yes to Jesus as well, that we decided to follow Jesus as well. And for a large majority of us in this room, 
those experiences, those conversations that we had, many of them happened for us before we turned 18. That actually a study was done on this and it said that 94%, 94% of people that choose to follow Jesus, they do so before they turn 18. Guys, that is a huge statistic. And I believe the reason that that is true is because for most people, they have their worldviews almost completely developed by the time they turn 13. But trends show that as we get older, we become less and less likely to have open and honest conversations about our faith and even less likely to adopt new behaviors and new practices that weren't there for most of our lives. And so that being said, you know what those trends and those statistics they show me? That perhaps the greatest potential Perhaps the greatest potential to bring people to Jesus happens before they turn 18. What that tells me is that those rooms across the hall are pretty important. That our kids and student ministries here at Trace are vital to what we do as a church. That those rooms over there, the ones with the bright colors, the ones with the toys, the ones with the controlled chaos and the dozens of volunteers, the dozens of serve team members uh, that, that have given their time to invest in the next generation. That's where life change happens for them that this is not just about giving you guys free childcare so that you can come in here and enjoy church distraction-free, that it's much bigger than that, that it is the development of your kids, the development of those kids for the sake of the gospel, that I truly believe the future of the church depends on them, that it depends on people like them and people like us committing to invest in the next generation. And I know to some degree, like this sounds redundant, that yeah, if we want to set up the church for the future, then we got to invest in the church and the students and the kids now. Like that sounds pretty simple. And I would say, yes, it's pretty simple, but it's not easy. And maybe you think back to your experience as a teenager. Maybe you think back to, uh, you know, maybe right now you have kids and students in your home. Maybe you think back to maybe a time you served with kids and students and you know for yourself, like it's simple, but it's not that easy. And maybe your question isn't so much, why should we invest in the next generation? Like, you understand that. Maybe for you, it's like, how do we do that effectively? And with the rest of our time this morning, all I want to do is I want to talk about that. And I just want to share with you three tools, three tools that I think can help us invest in the next generation, whatever context you're in, that whether you're a parent, whether you're a teacher, whether you're someone that doesn't have kids of your own, but you're in the proximity of kids, whether you serve on a kids or student team here at Trace, or maybe you're just looking to give back because somebody did that for you, whatever the case, I think these three tools will be helpful in helping us invest in the next generation wherever we're at. And so those three tools are these right here, relationships, rhythms, and reason. Relationships, rhythm, and reason. And before I go any further, I feel like I need to say this this morning. Uh, I'm not a parent. Uh, I don't have any kids or students in my home. And to sit up here and act like I've cracked the code or I've somehow figured all of this out on my own would be both arrogant and ignorant of me. And so I'm not going to do that today. But I do need you to understand that over the last several years of my life, this has been my priority. That I've spent a lot of time, I've invested a lot of time trying to figure out how to effectively invest in the next generation because guys, we're a weird breed. And we take a lot of time. But if you'll let me this morning, I just want to share some of the things that I've learned with you. And so let's go ahead. Let's dive in, starting with that first R of relationship, relationship. So as a student pastor, uh, I've had more than my fair share of awkward conversations and random phone calls uh, with kids and students. 
I like to say this pretty often, but if you've had one conversation with a student, uh, well, then you've had one conversation with a student because uh, conversations with students are vastly different. Students are vastly different. Their experiences are vastly different. And while I feel like I've had like every conversation under the sun with students, I still get surprised by some of those, you know, conversations that I need to have with students. That I've had to have conversations with students about why it's not appropriate to drop their pants down in the middle of a group activity and act like they're going number two in front of everybody, right? Uh, I've had to have conversations with two students that were frustrated because everybody else in the group thought they were dating. And so I had to explain to them, look, if you make out in front of everybody, if you cuddle here at church, which probably isn't a good idea, then people are going to think that about you, right? And I've even had to have conversations even this past summer with a parent saying, hey, um, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure we left your student, we left your kid uh, two hours away back here at Trace when we're out at camp because we've looked everywhere for him and we can't seem to find him only to find out that he's been hanging out with the girls the whole time. And while he told me it wasn't intentional, like we know what game you're playing, buddy. And I hope I don't embarrass him too much with that. But the point is I've had so many different conversations with students. So many different conversations with students. I've had students tell me uh, some crazy things. And while those examples are funny, sometimes it's not so funny. Sometimes the things students tell me are heartbreaking, gut-wrenching. And I've had students call me and tell me about their addictions to drugs and alcohol and pornography. I've had students tell me about their inability to develop deep relationships and the trust issues they already have at such a young age. I've had students come out to me for the very first time and tell me that they struggle with same-sex attraction or struggle with gender dysphoria. I've had students tell me about their crippling anxiety, their overwhelming depression that they face every single day that they get out of their beds. I've had students tell me about their thoughts of suicide and the plans and the steps and the actions they would take to carry those things out. I've had students tell me that they literally watched the death of a family member be brutally murdered that they were the ones who found the body. Guys, I've had students tell me horrific things, things I wouldn't wish upon anyone else. And with every confession from a student comes a very familiar question from a parent because a lot of the times these students, they're telling me these things. Their parents are still left in the dark. And so one of my first calls is to always fill in the parents. And so when I call them and I share what's going on, there's always this question of what, like, why didn't they just tell me, Josiah? And the unspoken question of, and what made them tell you? And while there's a huge difference, huge difference between telling a youth pastor something and telling your parents something as a student, especially when there's consequences, especially when you can get in trouble for that something, I would tell you that the reason I believe most students tell me the things that they do is because for a large majority of them, like our conversations don't begin when they are in crisis that our conversations, they don't begin when they've just gotten caught by the police smoking weed and selling it to their friends. Our conversations don't begin when they wake up and realize the pills didn't work and they're still alive. Our conversations don't begin after they've had conversation after conversation, fight after fight with their parents, with their friends, with their siblings, with a significant other, and they've burned every bridge of relationship in their life. That most times our conversations, they don't begin when our students are in crisis. No, our conversations, they begin when we're in the car on our way to Dutch Bros to get some coffee. Our conversations begin when I sit across the table from them when they have something that they want to celebrate. 
Our conversations begin when we stay up late and we play video games together. Our conversations begin when I sit in the stands and I cheer them on at their baseball games. And I promise you this morning, I'm not trying to brag. I'm not trying to act like I've figured this out. But I will tell you, one of the things I've learned about the next generation is that the more time I'm willing to invest to live in their worlds, the more likely they are to invite me into what is actually going on in their lives. That I say this to them all the time, that I don't need you to know what to do in every situation until you know who you can call in any situation that kids and students, the next generation, they desperately, desperately need adults in their lives to encourage them. Desperately need people in their lives to lift them up, to call them out, to be there for them, to cheer them on. And not just in the moments when they're in trouble, not just when you have to be there, not just in the moments of crisis, but no, I would say it's the mundane moments, the mundane moments that matter the most for them. You see, there was actually a study done a couple years ago that said in order for the next generation, individuals of the next generation, kids and students, to experience stability in their life, that they need not one, not two, but five, five solid adult relationships in their life, five adults who are speaking into them, five adults who are encouraging them whenever they need it. You know what that tells me? And I hate this, but as a youth pastor... I'm not enough. The parents, I hate to break this to you, but even as parents, you too, you're not enough. That even combined, guys, we are not enough for your kids to experience stability, that they still need two other adults willing to invest in their lives. And to some degree, like we get this. This is not like a new phenomenon that many of you, you had adults that were in your life. You had people that were investing in you to bring you where you're at today. And we see this model all throughout scripture that Joshua had Moses, Elisha had Elijah, David had Samuel, the disciples, they had Jesus, Timothy, he had Paul. Each and every one of these people were spurred on by others older than them. And I can promise you they weren't just business all the time, that they got to know each other. I believe they joked together. I believe they did life together. They built relationships with each other. And guys, our young people, they are no different. That they need people in their life. They need adults in their life. And so every adult in here, I need you to understand that whether you have kids or not, you have an opportunity. And I would say sometimes you have an obligation to build some relationships, to invest in some kids and students that are not your own for no other reason so that they can experience stability in their lives. And I get it. Like your schedules are full, your calendars are busy. And so maybe it's not being on a team here, but maybe it is. Or maybe it's just simply writing letters to some of them that you know. Maybe it's making snacks for them on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights. Maybe it's buying snacks. Maybe it's taking the time to pray for them on a daily basis, even if you don't know who they are, even if you don't know what they look like. Maybe it is joining a kids or student team here. Maybe it's playing video games with them. Maybe it's going to their extracurricular activities when it's appropriate. I don't know what it looks like for you. But if we wanna be the kind of church that plays the long game, then we have to learn to invest in the next generation. And that starts by learning to get in their worlds, by learning to build relationships with them. That's the first thing is relationship. But the second thing is this, uh, rhythms. 
That if we want to effectively invest in the next generation, we're going to have to establish healthy rhythms. See, Proverbs 22, 6, it says this, start children off in the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Now, what this verse is saying is how we start them off as adults determines how they finish their lives as adults. That it's not enough to simply talk about how we hope the next generation will act. It's not enough to just talk about uh, the habits we hope the next generation will develop. It's not enough for us to just hope that the next generation will see the ways that we live and in turn decide to do likewise. No, we have to put those things into practice. We have to put those things into action because at the end of the day, it is our actions, not just our words, not just our motivation. It is our actions that begin to shape our identities. You see, for instance, if I were to stand up here today and tell you about how big of a runner I am, first, some of you would laugh because you know that I absolutely hate running. Uh, you can probably hear my wife and the kids, uh, you know, wing laughing at me because she knows I hate running so much. But if I were to talk to you about how big of a runner I am and I, you know, I go buy the shoes, I buy the clothes and I show you my plan that I'm going to win the Boston Marathon. I just got to run this fast. Here's my workout plan. Here's my diet. And I tell you all of these things, but I never actually go on a run. Am I a runner? No. That I'm not a runner until I actually go on a run. I'm not an Olympic athlete until I actually compete at the Olympics. I'm not a reader until I finish book after consecutive book after consecutive book. That it is at the moment of action, not planning, not words, not motivation, but at the moment of action that our identities begin to take shape. And guys, our faith is no different. That is not just enough to talk about the faith we have and the faith the next generation should have. That at some point or another, it's gonna have to become action. That's why James says what he does in chapter two of his letter. He says this, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. That faith is useless if it is not followed by action. And until we help to provide the next generation with some practical actions, some practical rhythms to live out their faith, opportunities to practice the things we preach at them, opportunities to show them what it looks like to follow Jesus and invite other people to follow Jesus as well. Guys, unless that happens, we can't expect their faith to grow. You see, a recent survey was done on Generation Z, and once again, this is my generation, uh, to see what it is that, that we prioritize. And I'll go ahead and I'll throw the results up here on the screen. And there's several different categories here, but you see where faith landed? It's number nine up there. Number nine, way down there at the bottom. And if you want to know my guess of why it's so low in terms of prioritization, it's because I don't believe we as young people have enough solid rhythms in our lives to show us what it means that faith should be a priority in our life. That what gets practiced gets prioritized. What gets practiced gets prioritized. And that being said, we also know that what we do here at Trace, it's not enough to develop enough rhythms in the lives of young people to help them see what it means to follow Jesus, that a large responsibility of this falls on the leaders of the home. And that being said, I want to let you know of something that's coming up here at Trace. Uh, and this is an opportunity for parents uh, in the room, or maybe they're parents that don't go here to Trace that want to level up their parenting. And it's something we call our core four class. 
That as parents, we understand that like, wow, yes, it's awesome that you drop your kids off here once a week and we get to hang out with them. Like we love that. That's a good rhythm. We also know it's not enough to really help them see what it means to follow Jesus. That as parents, listen to me, you are the most influential people in your children's lives. Let that sink in. You are the most influential people in your children's lives. And so as a ministry team here, we wanna partner with you guys to help see your kids come to know Jesus. And so one of the ways we do that is uh, we know you can't do everything as a parent, but maybe you can do these four things. And maybe you can implement these four things into your home to start developing healthy rhythms, healthy habits in your home. And these four things are eat, pray, encourage, play. Eat, pray, encourage, play. Play. And we have a class uh, talking more about this coming up on August 29th. And you can sign up for that on the app or use the QR code right in front of you. But we really do believe that if you will uh, make a priority to establish these rhythms in your home, that they will help your children see what it looks like to follow Jesus. Because once again, if we want to help our kids and students learn to follow Jesus, first we got to build relationships with them. But then we also got to show them what it looks like. And that starts by developing good and healthy rhythms in your homes and here at Trace. And so those are the first two things, our relationship and rhythm. But the final thing is this, reason, reason. You see Romans 10, 14, it says this, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone, everybody say someone, unless someone tells them. And while, yes, it is a good thing, it is a good thing to build relationships with kids and students. It is a good thing to help them develop healthy habits in their life. At the end of the day, we can't just be our kids' best friends. At the end of the day, we can't just tell them what they should be doing. At the end of the day, somebody is going to have to sit them down and explain to them what the gospel is. And what I'm telling you this morning is that someone, that someone might just be you. And there's a reason that this comes last in the list. And it's not because it's least important, but actually it's because it's so important that we want to make sure we get it right. That it's only after relationships are built. It's only after rhythms are established that the next generation will trust you enough to speak into their life on matters of faith. And to be clear, when I talk about reason, when I talk about this concept of reason, I'm not just talking about what we believe. I'm also talking about why we believe it. That there was another study done and it said that Generation Z, once again, my generation, only 4% of us have a Christian worldview. Only 4%. That only 4% of Generation Z is filtering their thoughts, filtering their actions through their faith. That's terrible. That we have been dubbed the most philosophically confused generation of all time. And I experienced a little bit of this uh, during our high school week of camp, uh, what we call CIY. Uh, we took several high school students down to New Mexico. And one of the nights we were talking to all of them and we had people from all across the map, you know, people who followed Jesus for a long time, people who definitely did not follow Jesus and didn't make that decision. And then also people who were still trying to figure out what they believed. And that night we were talking to them about this concept that Jesus is the only way to God. That Jesus is the door. Jesus is the gate. Not Jesus is a way or Jesus is a gate, but Jesus is the door. And I asked our students, what do you think about that? Like, what do you believe when it comes to that? And their answers were all over the map. 
You know, some were like, yes, that is what we believe. Some of them were like, no, I think there's other stuff out there. And then some of them were like, no, I have no idea. Like, I'm still trying to figure out all these other things first. That they were all over the map when it came to what they believed. But when I asked them why they believed what they believed, all of their answers, almost all of their answers were the same. You know, I don't really know. I haven't really thought about it that much, that they were so confident in what they believed, but they had no idea why they believed what they believed. But you got to understand, like they need both, right? That our kids and students, they do need to know what we believe. That as followers of Jesus, we are sinners in desperate need of a savior. That without Jesus, we are hopeless and destined to eternity separated from God. But then also that Jesus instead, he took our place and he went to the cross and he died for the sins of the world so that we could experience eternity with God. And then three days later, he conquered death and he called us to a mission, which is to share that story with everyone we know. That is what we believe as followers of Jesus. And our students, our kids, they need to know those things. But they also need to know why we believe what we believe. That our faith is not a blind one that there are good and logical reasons to believe the things that we do and we have to share those with them. And look, I get it because sometimes this is hard. They ask us some pretty tough questions sometimes. Sometimes we don't know the answers to them. But when we allow our I don't knows to become I don't know, but I'll go figure it out. That's how we begin to invest in the future of the church. And we begin to teach uh, the kids and students in our community, not just what we believe, but why we believe those things. That if we want to play the long game as a church, guys, we have to invest in the next generation. There's no other option there. But it starts by building relationships with students, learning to get in their world helping them establish healthy rhythms in their life, and then finally uh, giving them good reasons of not only what we believe, but why we believe the things that we do. And I, I think if we don't effectively use those three tools, we will lose the next generation and we won't set the church up for the future. And so to close, like I, I know I just threw a lot at you, that that was really dense. But this morning, what I wanna do to close is I just wanna let us take a healthy assessment of our lives. I think one of the hardest things to do in life is to be honest with ourselves consecutively. And so I wanna just take a moment and assess ourselves. Where do we think we're at in those three areas? That maybe you pull out your phone and you write those three areas down and you just write one sentence, you just write one thought about maybe how we can do better, maybe where you're at when it comes to those three areas. And those three areas, once again, are relationships. How well are you doing at getting in the worlds of our kids and students or are you? And then rhythms, do the rhythms in your life, do the things that you practice, make people want to follow Jesus. I asked four of our high school students this the other day, but I said, if all you had were your actions, would any of your friends know that you follow Jesus? Because that's a convicting question. And then finally, reason. How confident are you in not only what you believe, but why you believe what you believe? Because until we can be confident in those things, we will fail to help the next generation see who Jesus really is. Because at the end of the day, I know this, guys. Like as a student pastor, as a kids team here, we're not enough. As parents in this room, I'm sorry once again, but you're not enough. But together, together as a church, if we can commit to investing in the next generation, then we can begin to ensure the future of the church.
that we can play the long game as a church, that we can leave a trace of God's love everywhere we go, even when we're gone. Let's pray. God, I know I just talked a lot about the next generation. And God, my experience with my generation is just a mess. That God, people are all over the map, but they are desperate in desperate need of some adults who are willing to step into their lives, to speak truth and grace into their lives, not just when they need it, but in the mundane moments as well. God, we don't wanna be a church that is so absorbed with what is going on now that we forget about what will happen in the future. And so God, I pray you would make us the kind of church, you would make us the kind of people who are willing to invest everything that we possibly can into the next generation. And that God, this next generation would grow up to know you and to be on mission with you. God, we're so grateful for Jesus. And it's in your name we pray, amen. So we're gonna go ahead and transition uh, into a time of response. And we do this every single week. And this is just an opportunity for us to respond to some of the things that are going on right now. That maybe the Holy Spirit's convicting you. Maybe there was something I said that uh, you need to figure more out about, or maybe there's some rhythms you need to put in your life, or maybe there's some questions you have that you need to go seek out. But this is just a moment every single week where we take uh, just a moment so that we don't just come in here and leave exactly the same. That we want this room to be a place where people experience life change. And that's why we have this response moment every single week. And so there's a couple different ways that you can respond this morning. Maybe this morning, if you're being honest, you don't know Jesus. You hear me talking about investing in the next generation, investing in the young people in our community, and you think, man, I need that. That I need that. I grew up without that. That nobody invested in me. And you came in this morning, and you've got a lot going on in your life. And you just need somebody to come alongside of you, to bring some stability in your life. And you've heard me talk about this guy named Jesus. And you think, you know, maybe that could be the answer. Maybe that could be the thing that I've been missing my whole life. Maybe he's the one who's gonna help me traverse through these difficult moments in life. And guys, if that's you, there's no decision this morning that we'd rather you make than that one right there. That we're gonna be, I'm gonna be in the back and I'd love nothing more than to talk to you about what that decision looks like. Talk to you about what it means to follow Jesus. Because I can promise you that that's one of the most long game oriented decisions that you can make in your life. Or maybe for you this morning, you do know Jesus. That somewhere along the way, somebody did have that conversation with you. Somebody sat you down, someone shared their experience with you. And because of that, somewhere along the way, you said yes to Jesus. Well, every week we take a moment to just be reminded that for most of us in here, we need to be reminded far more than we need to be taught something new. And every week we we take just a moment out of the craziness that is life to focus back on exactly what it is that Jesus did for us, to focus on not just why we believe what we believe, but actually what we believe, that what the gospel is truly about. And so you'll see these tables all around the room that have uh, a little cup. And all that is, is just a symbol to remind us exactly what it is that God did for us through Jesus on the cross. So maybe you need to respond like that. Or maybe you walked in this morning and you've got a lot on your shoulders. There's a lot of burdens that you've been carrying and they've gotten far too heavy for you to carry yourself. 
And so in the back, we're actually gonna have people that are willing to pray for you right now today. Pray right beside you about some of the things that are going on in your life that maybe you need prayer and maybe you don't wanna pray with a person, but you can fill it out on, on the app or you can go fill out a prayer card in the back. We'd love the opportunity, love the opportunity to pray for and with you about the things that are going on in your life. And then finally, maybe you came in today prepared uh, to give. And if you're a guest with us, there's no obligation to give. But as a church, we always wanna be growing in generosity. And so on the back of your seat, you're gonna see a QR code and you can just scan that and fill out a reoccurring giving statement. That's the best way to start giving and growing in generosity here at Trace. Or there's some boxes in the back of the room on your way out that you can leave that there. I don't know how you need to respond today in this moment. I just ask that you do. And so I'm gonna pray and then you can respond. God, once again, just thank you for moments like these. God, thank you for rooms like these where we know life change does happen. That through the craziness of our weeks, through the craziness that is life right now, we need more moments like this to take our attention off of ourselves and focus on you. God, this morning, if there is anybody in here who needs to take the step of, of deciding to say yes to you for the very first time and choosing to dedicate their life to you, God, I pray you would give them the courage to do so and let them know that we are available to talk to them about that. God, for everyone else, I pray that you would just bring us to the cross, that you would help us focus on what the gospel means for each and every one of us. God, so grateful for your son. It's in your name we pray. Amen.